podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at CypherCast.net. And follow us on Twitter at CypherCast.net. Oh, hello. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I am Jason Robinson, the proprietor of The Secret Cellar and The Notion, and I will be your guide along the path of suns. Today, we sing The World is But a Maze. We're going to have a little conversation about the growing pains we've gone through as we adjusted to Invisible Sun. When we cast The World is But a Maze, we talk about running Invisible Sun, and we try to work through something that we've run into that we're not quite sure how to best handle. Uh, I feel like there have been some growing pains for many GMs with Invisible Sun. I am one of those GMs who had some growing pains, and I wanted to talk with some other GMs and see what their experience has been like and how they have adapted to running this game. So uh, with that, we've brought Jason Robinson on uh, of The Secret Seller and The Notion uh, to talk with him about how, you know, running Invisible Sun has been going. Uh, And now that all three of us are running this game, hey, this is a a great time to have this little chat. So uh, Jason, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to talk with us today. Crossover episode. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) You're welcome. I'm very, uh, very, it has been. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you. So, um, Jason and Scott, you both have been running Invisible Sun for, for a little bit now, haven't you? Yes. I guess I shouldn't ask everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Also, although that depends on your definition of running it. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. (laughs) Um, okay. So why don't we talk about there, there is a clear distinction in my mind between getting in, getting ready for Invisible Sun and then actually running it. And I would draw that line after the first session and then your first actual let's use the rules and play the game and roll dice session. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think my sort of snide comment before was I've actually found in my particular group three sections there was like all the lead up and whatever else and then we had our first session and then I thought that what was going to happen was that immediately we would start playing Uh, but I found challenges even in that in between space so in in between your first session and and starting the game I I just had like last Friday night uh, the first game where we were really like playing and in character and doing stuff and um uh it took a while to get there so and is that your first actual play session or have you had like uh, a few sessions after the first session where you've been sort of breaking in the rules and figuring out how to make things work well what happened in our case um and i'm actually very grateful for this i think it's a wonderful dynamic for our group but i have a mix of i've got you know a veteran tabletop rpg player who's been playing since before i was born and then i've got um you know two in the group who are really very brand new to even the concept of tabletop role playing Mm -hmm. and so we found that even before getting into the like how do these mechanics work um there was a lot of 
just just un, unanswered questions about what even t the tabletop experience is. And in that context, starting with Invisible Sun probably complicated things for me, for those yeah. players. It's it's a real deep dive if you've never played a tabletop RPG before. That's a lot to take in, not unlike entering the actuality. It's quite quite intense. Um, yeah, so my my experience, I think I didn't really feel comfortable running Invisible Sun until about four or five sessions in. And then I think at some point, things just started to click for me. And I had that feeling after a session, uh, you, know, you know, when you run a good session of any RPG uh, yes. and at the end of it, you're like, oh, that that was good. This was great. I could keep yeah. doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And until and I hit that point, it was like, oh, man, I don't know. At, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm awful and I should quit. <laughs> yeah, I had that experience precisely running. uh Truth Bleeds at Twilight over the summer because that was the first time, you know, uh, Scott was on that show. That was the first time that I had really actually run any Invisible Sun outside the early betas, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, somewhere halfway through the season, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I should not quit. This is okay. The experience I've been having this time is more the fear that, gosh, if I don't get things moving soon, my players are going to mutiny. They're going to get sick of all this like confusion and endless false starts, and they're just going to jet. Uh, but Friday night was that night where I was like, oh, okay, we're all here. <laughs> this is good. It's going to work. <laughs> so right now I feel good about it. <laughs> uh, so what I want to I focus in on the confusion and the false starts. Uh, I don't want to talk about anything good here. I just want to wallow in you know, <laughs> this feeling of I don't know what's happening and I'm terrible. But um, the confusion and false starts. What were your false starts and like what were you getting? What was what were you and what was your table getting stuck on before you felt your momentum really pick up and and move? Sure. I think it's two things. The first. I made a strategic mistake, I think, born out of the fact that I've been a very excitable Invisible Sun nerd, like not quite as long as you two have, but almost. And so I had these really grand visions of how it was all going to go down, you know, when I finally got my home game started. And so the very first, I wouldn't even call it a session, it was like session zero or session negative one. I had this like art event at my house. There was music and there was lights and there was I don't even know and it was like you know gonna get everyone into the mood of this game and um man I think I just really confused some people uh so that set things off to a bad start um and then the second thing even before getting into like the mechanics of Invisible Sun specifically what I didn't account for was how new and strange all of the weird meta layers of tabletop role-playing gaming are if you're not used to that. So what we found, one of my players in particular who had never, not only hadn't played, but like didn't even know aside from in a very general sense what a role-playing game was supposed to be, um, <laughs> she's a champion. She's like really stuck through it and figured it out and really dug into it now. But at the very beginning, she, we were in all these really interesting frustrations where I hadn't in any reasonable way communicated what is the difference between 
she asks me a question. She's a maker, right? So once yep. once she asks me like, oh, you know what I want? I want a flying broom, like Harry Potter style. I want to be able to fly around in this, you know, wizarding world. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, we look on the chart and figure it out. And it's like, we decide it's level six or something as an object to make. And she's a level one maker. And so my answer is, cool, you can work toward that. But like right now, like you can't just go in your workshop and make one of those. Um, and then another time she, you know, is I'm assigning maker materials or something at the beginning. And she asks me like, oh, well, yeah, I'm like, oh, you need a, a level two material. Here's some story prompts. Tell me about what this looks like. And so she, in the, in that moment, I'm giving her full permission to like go and just make up something and drop it into the world. And that tension between not knowing enough to know why I'm sometimes putting down what seems like a totally arbitrary rule on why she can or can't do something. And then other times where I'm like, no, 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 the world's your oyster. How do you want this to be? Uh, just totally threw her off and was like really frustrating for her because understandably she was just playing sometimes according to some rules that she didn't know. And other times it seemed like I was taking all the rules away and just encouraging her to go free. And so not having a clear distinction between those two is a really uh, difficult thing for her. So is that distinction cleared up? I think so now as evidenced by our recent session, we had a whole clearing session, <laughs> like one whole one of these other weeks of games come and gone ended up being really good. We all got together we had dinner and we just sat and talked about like basically the, the, the concept of player agency and like DM, what is this whole thing where I'm kind of the God of this imaginary world, but also you all are in your own ways too. And like, how do we balance that? And it was actually a really in the moment, a really frustrating convert and like wearying conversation. I think it didn't feel fun, but I think it set, I think we all felt a lot more clear after that. And then that really allowed things to move forward. Uh, so Scott, have you gone through any of these, uh, any, any similar growing pains? Um, I, some, and I think they're similar, but may have gone in a somewhat different direction. We learned over the first six or so sessions, which rules we weren't too concerned about, which parts of the kind of modules of the game that we weren't going to spending, be spending a lot of time on and just sort of converged to the sorts of, of, uh, game that we we wanted to play uh for example i still don't know what the currency is uh, i know there's like <laughs> mage coins and i know some of the words but i don't remember the conversions i don't pay any attention to that and, and it's it's fine if others do um that's great uh, it's just not something that my table really wants to to bother with um so we, we just sort of figured out we just, we aren't going to going to deal with that uh as i mentioned as several times before uh my table doesn't really want to focus as much on round by round combat and treats combat more as a puzzle. How do we overcome this surreal creature by identifying its weakness or something along those lines? And they much prefer those sorts of encounters to more traditional uh, combat encounters. So it, it was, I think, not atypical with other RPGs, uh, a, a process of just finding what the table wants to do and then focusing on those with uh, the design of encounters and uh, everything else. I should say I've 
I am, uh, my experience comes from basically one multi-month season followed by a second multi-month season with a long pause after that. Um, and now we're into the third month of the uh, directed campaign. Uh, and that's been different as well because the first two were entirely homebrew. Uh, and this third is the directed campaign. I, I, and I'm, so far, I'm, I'm relying almost exclusively on the new material from the directed campaign. And that's uh, certainly helping with prep, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it introduces new challenges as I try to balance the uh, arcs and uh, interests of the various characters with the directed campaign. Uh, one, one thing I found is that a major transition later in the game for me was when we really when we moved from our initial character arcs into second character arcs. There was a lot. There was some confusion about how to do that. And it, it dramatically increased the complexity of planning, where you've got some characters now with one arc not quite done, but a second arc that they've bought, um, and others who finished an arc and are starting something entirely new. Uh, that was a, a, a late, or not late game, but you know non-early game uh, hurdle, which I think is when you move into the Invisible Sun campaign as a mature game. And uh, I don't mean that as in mature content, but as in all of the systems are now operating um, and that complexity has been a, a difficult transition, uh, but I, I'm happy that my players have been very uh, patient and they know we're at a stage now where not everyone's going to advance all of their character arcs every week. And I'm going to try and balance it so that people aren't left out two weeks in a row. But uh, we have to do these sorts of balancing exercises across sessions. Uh, so that's because we play for two to two and a half hours rather than four. But um, these are all things we've learned over time uh, with the game. But a lot of the fundamental lessons are things I would have to learn if I was playing 5e or Palladium or whatever, uh, just learning what my table wants. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I, I think I figured out, you know, the stuff in the system that you know, we don't care about as a group. And once again, it's currency. We don't care about money, uh, though I do, I, I do still, you know, introduce the complication of oh that thing that you're looking to do that you know level 10 ritual that you want to learn that that general spell you want to learn that's going to be expensive how is it that you are going to be able to afford this thing and it's more of a prompt for that i'm presenting to my players to say like what is it that you're doing that's significant that we should focus in on in order to determine how you've gotten to this point where you can afford this spell. Like we don't care how many mage coins it costs and how you trade for that. We're more interested in how you, you know, came up with the currency to pay for this thing. Yeah. We, we abstract that out pretty much in every, every game we run. Um, And, and we got there after a couple of sessions. Like the other thing that we've done is we've, we haven't really focused on the houses other than these are points where the players will get together and meet and talk with each other um, and then uh, figure out what they're going to be doing. And I think that is one of the things that I'm still trying to figure out a better way to handle, uh, which is kicking off a session. A lot of times my characters get together and they talk about you know what's going on, what they've been doing, and what they're looking to do. And then they say, oh, I don't know what we want to do. What should we do? And then they turn to me, and it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I was kind of hoping you guys would tell me what you wanted to do. Um, so now I guess we're going to wing it again. 
Uh, so like, how do you, how do you kick off your sessions? I know we've talked about this before, but this is something that I'm still running into. Like, how do you get a session rolling? Um, how are you handling that, Jason? Well, again, I've only so far, there's really just been this one kind of actual play session that we've gotten to have. So I don't know really how that's going to work with the flow of our group. But I do, I think I'm really fortunate in that I have just a, a really like weird variety of, I think what are going to turn into sort of role-playing interests across the group. Um, I have a couple folks that really optimized their Vizlay for combat, which is going to be interesting for me because I am hardly a combat GM uh, most of the time. So I'm going to have to really learn. I know they want to go fight stuff and I'm going to have to figure out what the tenor of that is for our group. But I've also got um, two characters that are really interested in like tiny mechanics precisely like I may not learn them, but I absolutely know that one of my players is going to learn the entire monetary system and, you know, keep it in his brain, which I'm grateful for. Um, and, you know, he was very meticulous and very excited about taking his initial earnings and keeping track of his weekly income and like spending them on specific things in his house. And so he's got this whole list of like a very well appointed house that he has meticulously purchased, which is actually really cool because I wouldn't encourage anyone to do that because it doesn't sound personally fun to me, but it's adding a really cool rich layer even to our first session. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think I'm going to be in a spot of balancing, you know, lots of action and also lots of resources that I'm not used to managing in terms of getting the story out the door. We'll just have to see this time was good because after we had, when we had our like big clearing dinner to kind of figure everything out, I ended with, really coming up with one particular sort of like an arc, but even more tightly focused, like almost just an action that each player was going to want to perform as soon as we started the next game. And that I felt like it was necessary to be really not prescriptive in that I was telling them what to do, but that I made sure they had an item on their checklist when they came into the game. And that really helped this last time because it got everyone immediately out the door doing something and then i was like doing the gm thing and bringing them all together and it went really well so we'll see we'll see what happens next time yeah i've got a uh a kickstart for this this session that i'm running tonight um wasn't sure who's gonna be showing up we've had you know some things come up as they do um but i've been prompting one of my players to sort of kick off what I think is going to be the resolution for a major character arc that started off in the first session. And I want to make sure that gets rolling because it's kind of been sitting idle for the past, oh, I don't know, four months or so. So nice. uh, when, when I can, you know, there, there have been questions about like, what's going on with this? You know, what's happening with this, this arc when other characters are asking that question, that's, that's when I'm picking that up and saying, all right, I need to get this thing moving and I need to, I guess, push my group towards that resolution. I usually start with a bit of a summary of what has gone on before and a fairly frank metagame discussion of what, if there's anything that people particularly want to do before we move kind of what, to what is the natural next step, particularly in the directed campaign, because it, it, it is a little more railroady uh, than the homebrew campaign was. But in a way that there's enough agency within the different elements that, that uh, people seem to be enjoying it anyway. Um, I've found my players to generally be reluctant to propose too much 
and uh, I'm over over time. I think they're getting more uh, willing to say, you know, I really want to do something on this arc, and I have some ideas. I could do this, this, or this, uh, and. For the, that is a, a lot for a lot of players to, or a lot, lot to expect of a lot of players. I think uh, it, it is. It's we're still learning where the boundaries are, and there's uh, people trying to be polite. They're worried that if they demand too much, it means they're going to kind of crowd other people out of the experience for the evening. Um, so there's we're still uh, months in. Ne- working through how to balance these concerns. Uh, but even as we try to balance it, people are having fun as far as I can tell. And uh, so it's, it's like, this is, it goes back to a comment I made several times over the now 90 episodes. Uh, the game's very robust. If you ignore parts of the game, the rest of it still works really well. Uh, you don't have to, it, just ignoring MageCoin doesn't mean a bunch of other systems become unbalanced to the point where the game doesn't operate anymore. Instead, it's a game where you, you're, table can focus where it wants to focus uh, and the stories can work the same way uh, the uh, what I've found is I try to have kind of like clues from an investigation based game for just about everyone's uh, arc ready to plant wherever we go Ooh. so when someone does say I want to go to this location that's fine because I know player two and four have books that I want to have planted for them that are in advance their character arcs or maybe a an NPC that I could put there that will advance a player three's character arc but having uh, portable clues and portable advancement points uh, allow people to you, the, the story to go wherever it needs to go but you could still have minor advancements for the players that are not the primary subject of that particular evening's uh, encounters. Yeah, I've, I've got something similar to that um, that I've noticed I've started doing. Uh, it wasn't really a, a conscious decision. It was just something I realized, oh, one of my characters needs to get to the Silver Sun, but they're hesitant to get there because they want to think about, you know, the actions that are going to lead them there. So in the meantime, I've been continuing to add more and more reasons for other players to go there to the Silver Sun so that at some point there is going to just be an (laughs) overwhelming need for everybody to get there and they're going to go and they're going to resolve a whole bunch of stuff. That's cool. I wonder what sort of creatures they'll find when they get there. (sighs) If only we knew uh, something about <laughs> the teratology creatures from the Silver Sun. That would be really useful. And I guess, um, do we have anything else that we want to chat about before we wrap this discussion up? I have a specific question. Uh, yeah. Have you both been running from the um, directed campaign? <laughs> um, so I, I am running from the directed campaign. And I am treating it like I do every other like pre-published adventure. I use it extensively for the first you know couple of <laughs> sessions, and then my players do stuff that takes them away from it, and then I throw everything away and basically start from scratch. Sure. Well, in in that case, you can still answer my question. Um, yeah. We are with you know no no spoilers, but uh, you know next week we are all going to be going to Limerence Street. The characters have been there, some of them before for various reasons, but we're all going as a group next week 
you know, next time we meet. And I am a little nervous, having just gotten everyone off the ground and getting them started with their arcs, I'm a little nervous that what they uh, encounter on at the end of their journey to Limerin Street um, may really frustrate them because, you know, they all now have goals and things they're going to do. And I'm, I'm worried that the events are going to, you know, they're, they're going to possibly keep them from doing what they need to do on Limerence Street. So I'm wondering if you, from your experience, can give me any advice for how to maybe uh, mitigate that if, in fact, it's going to be a point of frustration for these new players who've just started doing things. Figure out a way to give them answers so that it isn't just a dead end when they try to investigate what happened. Okay. Like, I I would say ignore what is laid out in that first month of the um, directed campaign. Yep. And allow their investigation to give them some answers. Okay. That's good advice. I will take it. Like, I mean, that's, that's really... If, whenever I play an RPG, whenever I play a game, if there is a problem and the answer to my questions is, oh, you can't figure this out right now, that's right. a very dissatisfying answer. Yeah, it is. Should I um, flip the little switch and get myself a uh, month two to like yes. read ahead? Okay, I will do that before. Yeah, um, I, I've been talking about this um but like I was saying, what was I saying? Yeah, if, if the invest if you're doing an investigation and, and the answer says you cannot proceed any further, like that's frustrating and it should be addressed. And I would say, and I've said this before, probably not recorded, but the directed campaign I think works much better if you have the first three months before you even start. So I mean it's it's not the most helpful advice, uh, but you like that first arc of the directed campaign is better when you have the context of the first three uh, installments of it. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at tex underscore red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha- help people find us.